Well, I have got a real treat for you on today's show. I have an amazing guest, Dudley Shoemate, who is an incredible agility trainer, seminar presenter, great competitor. She has been training dogs for over 25 years, incredible wisdom there, rode horses for a living prior to that. She's been involved with obedience, tracking, hunt tests. She's worked all different types of breeds. She loves hiking and she loves peanut butter, so you gotta like her. And she's been on over 26 world teams. She's got eight national championships with four different dogs across three different jump heights in three different organizations. So her list of accomplishments is long and she has so much wisdom to share. One of the things I love about her is whenever you see pictures of her or you talk to her or you hear other people talk about her, she just lives life to the fullest. She's always got a smile. She's always enthusiastic about life. She loves to laugh. And this is going to be such a great interview. So I know you're excited about it. Welcome to the Kathy Keat Show. This is episode eight. Let's get started. And I can say you'll be blown away by the change you see. You seem in a feel or a dance all night. Put a little flavor in my life. So I've got with me now Dudley Shume. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me on the show. I'm so glad you're here. You've just come off some big competitions. Yes, ma'am. And thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on here. I had a feeling just from what I've seen from posts you've done that we would really resonate in terms of very much on the same page when it comes to mindset and performance. So I am really excited about this conversation. So something that struck me on social media Um, you mentioned that you, for the first time ever, you've had Mm -hmm. lots of runs with flow, but it was Mm -hmm. the first time you truly felt like you were present and in the moment. Yeah, that was an eye opening experience for me. I've, I've done agility for a long time and I used to ride, um, three day and horse trials before that. So I've, I've done a lot of competition in my life and I've had the good fortune to, you know, be in sync and have it, you know, that feeling of things are going just right. And it's a wonderful feeling. But what happened um, just last weekend, gosh, not even that long ago at the U.S. Open was different than that. And really interesting to me because I had never experienced it. And the difference, at least how it's hard to articulate, because part of the difference was it was not conceptual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't make much sense. I'll just say it like this. Being in the flow for me is more like I have a idea of tasks and I'm conscious of them and we perform them. Right. You know, whether the we is a horse or a dog or another person or whatever. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. This situation, there was no conscious thought. Right. This was pure activity with no thought. I came out of that run, not even sure what had happened. And it was good. I mean, I've come out of runs where it's been a hot mess, (laughs) but this was good. (laughs) And I think it was a perfect storm, Kathy, of it was snooker which can always be a little bit of a wild game anyway, but it was snooker with 
me getting ready to go to the ring with a dog I call on, who is a fantastically well-trained dog, but I don't get to practice with her a lot. Right. And with my friend who whose dog it really is, telling me, your plan, nobody's making the time, you need to change it. So I was going in there with a plan I hadn't walked, with a dog that I don't plan often, <laughs> and after the first red, she takes a detour, and okay, it's on. Right. And we just did. It was pure activity. And the analogy that struck me, because I read a lot of um, Buddhist literature that really speaks to me, Mm -hmm. the analogy that hit home for me is that that was pure living in the moment. I had no other thought. I had no thought. And it was just doing. And it blew my mind. It really did. And it was great. I find that so fascinating because once or twice I've had that same experience. And I agree with you. Usually you go in, you kind of have your plan, you know, your focus points, the things you want to think about, your key performance. Like you might know your dog has a slight place where you know they need help. So you're ready to help at that spot. Mm -hmm. You're trying to answer all their questions. And you go in and you just execute really well and you come out and you feel great. There was lots of flow. Mm -hmm. You felt really connected. But I've had a couple of those myself where it was just doing. There was no conscious thought whatsoever. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I often think about this idea of going through a competitive cycle as a competitor where you start out and you cycle through learning. First, you have to start with baby steps, which is learning what to focus on. And then you eventually get to this level of mastery where you might occasionally touch that kind of a moment where you just do. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is from just your years of experience that you've had that kind of moment or what do you think caused that perfect storm to happen? But (laughs) did it just shut off when the dog went and decided to go somewhere else? So what happened was I set up and I had this plan, you know, the new revised plan that I hadn't walked because nobody was making the time in the opening. Right. So I had that in my mind. Okay, I can do that. I've done that before. And we did. And for people not familiar with snooker, you have to jump a certain jump to earn the right to earn points. Right. And if your dog falls after jumping the first, you know, ticket jump, so to speak, you have to go find another ticket before you can earn points as part of the rules. Right. So what happened is my, the sweet dog I was running jumped red, jumped the first part of the combination and then jumped another red. Right. That's when my brain just went, okay, peace out. <laughs> Survival. <laughs> and the rules are different for um, WAO than USDAA, which is where, you know, many years ago where I learned to play snooker. So it's even snooker with a twist. <laughs> and I think because I was in all of these sort of lands where I don't even know how to explain it, where I, I didn't have all of it so habituated that I think that's what allowed it to happen. Right. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of another really good analogy for people that play music, I think, is when you first start to play, you have to really think like piano. You have to think about where are your fingers? How do I read these dang dots on a paper? You know, you have to think about the process. But when you actually play, you're not thinking about that. Exactly. You just play. Yeah. And I think that analogy is spot on. I think it's the same. You have to learn how do I do a front cross? Where should my feet be? How do I read a course map? You can't get to that state without knowing the mechanics first. So I think you learn the mechanics and then you quit thinking about it. Mm -hmm. 
that's kind of how I, I feel that happens for me anyway. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. And the interesting thing too, I mean, there's a few things with that. One is that there's enough repetition that you can take on those skills and own them, but also not just repetition, but breaking the pattern enough that you're reacting to things mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to, to, you made a great point. You said um, some people get their plan and I think they get so hooked on that plan that it doesn't allow that creative freedom to be present. They start judging Absolutely. when the plan goes wrong. And then that's no, I what, think it's very limiting. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is their brain sort of shuts down on them in that moment because right. they start judging and they start going internal and they've lost being present. You know, the famous, I'm on my great run and you, I'm nailing it. And then boom, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who's helped me a ton. Like one of my top, top heroes in agility is Stuart Ma. Mm -hmm. And I got to see him like two days before I went to this big competition and his, just the way he thinks for one is brilliant, but him stressing, you don't stop, right? You keep responding to the situation and you make it work and you make it work. And I think having that in my head right before I went to this show also helped me a ton. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to, I think, especially with agility, it's not just you, you're only half the team you have to get to places where you're uncomfortable in training and learn how to function there because mm -hmm. it's going to happen. Absolutely. The amount of runs that have gone exactly as planned for me. Oh my gosh, over 25 years, I could probably count on two hands. <laughs> There's always something novel that happens in the moment exactly. and you can't let that throw you if you want to be effective as a competitor. Yeah. You have to be able to flow with it. Exactly. I think that's such a fabulous way of wording it because I often, my phrase is always, you have to learn to survive. And everyone tends to, you know, when you're practicing, certainly there's an element of analysis and you're judging in the sense yes. of what needs better. But when you're performing, it's all about survival. The band's not going to stop if you play a wrong note. Right. So you can go back and fix right. it. You have to survive. And that is yes. a piece I think a lot of people are missing in their training because they're so judgmental in terms of it's got to be perfect or that wasn't yes. good enough that they don't spend enough time training survival. I could not agree with you any more than a million percent and myself included. Sure. Myself included. I'm having I'm this week. I've got um, the EO tryouts coming up beginning of December. And so I'm, you know, getting ready for that. And I am taking Stuart's advice to heart and what I know is true. And mm -hmm. this week I'm setting up courses that make me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what I have to do is not be perfect. Just get through them. Yeah. So I can practice that skill. It's not about the course. Exactly. But just so I can practice that being in the moment. And I think of it as being responsive, not reactive. Exactly. It's a different feel. It is. So for that's sure. what I'm trying to do to get ready for this next big thing that's coming up. Mm -hmm. I think that's perfect. Responsive is a far better word for that because it's a more proactive word. And Correct. I love I love that. And the other thing you said is and I think this is such an important piece for people to understand is survival or whatever word you want to use mm -hmm. is a skill in and of itself. Yes. And yes, that's yes, the yes. piece people forget about is they try and make this perfect run. But you said it so well earlier. So much about it is about like it, it's about being dangerous every run and being dangerous doesn't mean perfect every run. Oh, yeah. And 
it's it's not going to go all the ways to plan because you exactly. can't control for everything. Exactly. So the sooner you can let that go, you can be more open to the situation. When you get married to a plan, you're you're limiting your options. You're limiting your awareness. Mm-hmm. So I think the sooner you can let that go, that you can't control for everything. It's not a it is not a pass to be sloppy. And I think people get confused about that too. I practice like crazy, and I really do try to get my mechanics really well. So that I can access them without having to think. Exactly. I find that a lot of people comment, um, you know, that when they're going into the ring, they think about, oh, I have to execute this technique and that technique. And I'm thinking, if that's what you're thinking, you need to simplify. Yes. Because there's no way you should be thinking, you should be thinking perhaps tactical and strategic going in, but you should not be thinking technical going in. No, I totally agree with that. Before I go in the ring, I just like to go over, you know, look at them and look at the obstacles in order. <laughs> so Preferably. Kind of look at them in order. <laughs> and then I try to think of what do I want the path to be? For me, it's very much like dancing. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do I want the lines in the dirt? Where yeah. do I want the lines in the dirt? And however I signal them to get there is totally dependent on where myself, my dog, and the obstacle are in relation to each other when all of this needs to go down. And that could be very different from what I visualized in the course walk without the dog. hundred percent. You know, that's something I think is an interesting element of visualization. Most people plan their tactics according to the course rather than what the course is going to cause their dog to do, which is a completely mm-hmm. different thought process. Yes. Because one puts it all in a box and one, uh, the other thought process individualizes it to maximize the team. And one of the things that has helped me a lot with that is that I run dogs that are very different shapes and sizes. Yeah. And that I cannot tell you how much they teach me. I mean, they're my best teachers. They teach me to really stay open because they are vastly different. So something that the posts that you wrote, I'm just reading it right now uh, from the book when you posted it on Facebook, I think it was. Um, The quote out of the book was understanding like water can flow, can penetrate. Views, Mm. knowledge and even wisdom are solid and can block the way of understanding. So Mm -hmm. I want to just take that quote and put it in the context of what we're talking about. When you walk a course, you start to develop an opinion of right and wrong, Mm -hmm. which becomes solid. Mm -hmm. And I think it prevents you from flowing or being able to change on the fly very much like we're talking about. But why did that quote strike you in particular? Oh, why did it strike me? Because I think it's so amazingly true. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm, uh, I'm sure partly it struck me because I'm often, I won't say guilty because that's got an emotional connotation, but because I have the fault of trying to analyze and trying to know. I want to know. Mm-hmm. That is like my goal in life is to solve the puzzle. <laughs> I want to know. And letting go of knowing and just being is a big deal for me and I'm loving it when I can do it. And it makes me more aware of the other half of the team and agility and for the rest of the world in real life. Um, I'm not saying that analysis isn't important. I really think it is, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it should be the only thing or even the majority of how you consider the situation. I think it's a piece. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is the, you know, star of the car, so to speak. Right. 
And this is fairly new for me because I am Miss Analytical. Let me just break this apart and I can do it if I just do it more and do it harder or louder. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's actually where I've come from as well um, in my own career is I've always been very analytical. In many ways, I think it's helped me. But it, one of the big jumps I've had to make, and it seems to be a lesson I keep cycling around to as well, mm-hmm is learning to let go of having to know it and be able to feel it. And I often joke mm-hmm. about walkthroughs. People want to know, they want certainty of what mm-hmm. the right plan is. And the truth of the matter is, there is not going to be any certainty. And when you walk a course, your goal is not to sort of technically, analytically get it right, but it's to feel it right. Mm-hmm. And that's quite a shift in thinking because that has to let go of that sort of left brain analytical side and allow that creative side to have a play up, you know, have a say in it. But I think, and I, I agree, but I think it's important and you certainly are alluding to this also, you can't go on just that side either. That's right. You have to have both yes. to be as effective and as, as good as is possible. Yes. You have to have some of the intellectual part and the analysis part. It isn't total intuition either. For sure. Um, it really is both pieces, but we're so heavily weighted towards one that it's almost like you need to let that one rest a little bit and, you know, feed the other one some peanut butter sandwiches for a while and bring it up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter, yes. It rules. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really true. And sometimes I wonder, as coaches, if we don't create that to some degree, because we're always pushing so hard for what we feel is correct performance. And we're pushing Mm -hmm. our students towards correct performance. And some people don't have a background in say either music or competitive sport where they understand that there's a balance between that analysis and that letting go. And adults do learn a lot different than kids do. So kids naturally bring that experimental kind of fun. I'm just trying this for the heck of it anyway to Mm -hmm. it. And it's Mm -hmm. more difficult for adults and often for people where this is their first time doing something that's really for them because it's just so weighted on their self-worth and their self-image. It can be really hard for them to step outside. Yes. And I, I hadn't thought about it until just this moment when you said that. I think maybe part of what allowed me to have that experience too and this isn't bragging, but I've been doing this a long time with, sure. you know, some good degree of success. I don't feel that I have to prove anything quite as much. Right. And I bet you that might have had something to do with it, too. I hadn't thought about that till just now, but mm-hmm. that I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Way back when, when I was playing basketball, I was heavily influenced by the tough it out, right. all life or death kind of thing. And in my career, I was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. And so as a result, my self-image and my self-worth were highly wrapped up in basketball performance. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to spread my wings until I actually started studying more Eastern philosophy, really a lot more about process and kind of separating that from self-image or self-worth. And that's when I was really able to let go, because even though we know it's really important our our egos aren't wrapped up in it in the same way and it lets us kind of have that just going for it enthusiasm and letting go because there's less judgment involved with it what's kind of your thoughts on that um uh, it's funny because again i'm i'm so i'm so into trying not to think of things dualistically right so i see that is very true i also see on the flip i can say 
I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. I got to have some results or else why should anybody pay any money to hear anything I have to say? Sure. So <laughs> it's both. Yeah. It's neither and it's both. Yes. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think both things are important um, for where I am with this sport, but both things are important means both are important. And right. it's not just one and, oh, yeah, I'll give this one an honorable mention. Right. No, they both matter. And they both, I can't have one without the other. Yeah. So that's, I'm really into the, the dualistic is really just the whole sort of idea. Gotcha. I don't that's, know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think, <laughs> no, 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 that's great. I think that's really true because um, we probably all have tendencies in one direction or another and yes. it weights it too heavily in that direction. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then it's trying to, I think it, you're right. It's trying to see it as a whole picture. And I mm-hmm. think in general, we do tend to culturally have an emphasis one way or the other. And I think it is important to see both sides for sure. Mm-hmm. So you, um, how do you reconcile with your students the idea of the ones who have really either really big goals and they're having trouble finding that place of process or vice versa, ones that maybe are just very into process and you feel like they could go further if they pushed a little harder? Oh, that's a good question. I, the majority of my teaching is seminars, mm-hmm. but, and I'm on the road a ton. Because of that reason, I don't have weekly group classes. Gotcha. I teach privates when I'm home, but I'm home so sporadically. I mean, literally, sometimes less than half the year that I do have, you know, dedicated students who come see me, but I don't have the sort of weekly group situation Mm -hmm. so what i tend to do because i'm either only seeing people i don't know for a short time right or i'm seeing people that really like the sort of information i give Mm -hmm. that i pretty much just um share what i do and it's either somebody's cup of tea or it isn't Mm -hmm. Um, i don't try to push anybody any particular way i just tell them this is how i do it and this is a way and take from it what works for you and make your own way because the best way you can train is the way that you create, you know, but you need to be the people that don't maybe resonate with my style as much are the people that want the recipe, right? They want the, how do you do this? How long is it going to take? What are the steps? Because I can't give you that. Right. It takes as long as it takes. And each team is different. There are some foundation things that I think, are true, you know, in general, but then you need to put your own spin on it. And for me, that's the really fun part of it, but you can't do that if you don't understand what the heck you're trying to do. So I get picky about things like, what are you trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And I'm not judging no matter what it is, but you need to be able to define it because we can't create a process and we know what the hell we're trying to do. Right. So I use the goals to make the outline. Right. Then when I start to do the stuff, the dog in the you know context of agility, then is the one that writes the script. And we may go off the outline, but the outline gives me a framework to start with. Right. And until I can get myself and my and or my students to define criteria, I'm not going to be of much use to anybody. Right. So that's kind of how I start it. And then if people enjoy the way that I think about it, they come see me for more. <laughs> if they don't, they go see someone else, which is great. I mean, you know, not everybody learns the same and not yeah. everybody thinks the same. So I think that's wonderful. And I encourage everybody that 
comes with me to go see other people because they'll learn stuff. And I think all of that's good. But I don't try to push anyone. I try to give people things to consider. That's awesome. And I want them to think about it. Mm -hmm. I tend to be probably a little more in that direction, too, in terms of trying to work, for lack of a better term, more holistically with the team that's in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting when I'm working with people to try and help them to spread their own wings a little bit and be more part of an active learner in the process. Because mm -hmm. what I'd like to see is a student who's too used to me telling them exactly how to handle each time then won't have any confidence when they're in the ring trying to make their own choices. Correct. So I think what you're doing is sort of speaking along those same lines, because they're an active participant in that learning process, mm -hmm. they also take more ownership. And I think in the long run, end up having more confidence in their own decisions. Oh, for heaven's sake, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you, you, really know, you can get it? all biblical. You can, I can give you a fish or I can teach you to fish. I mean, you need to learn how to think. Yeah, uh, I really believe that. And then once you learn how to think, you need to stop thinking. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you mentioned some fundamental pieces. If you were to say, give one fundamental piece that you say is something you'd really like to see people do a better job of focusing on early in their careers, what would mm -hmm. you say it is? Oh, God, every single human that is listening to this that knows me is raising their hand saying, I know this one. <laughs> If you only took one thing away from Dudley's shoemate, it would be this. Teach your dog to run in a straight line without asking if it's okay. <laughs> I love it. I mean, for real. Yeah. That teach your dog to go. It is the most important thing. You can't. Um, there's no reason to turn if you aren't going anywhere. Uh, obstacle commitments. As far as agility skill, now yeah. you're talking about what do I tell? What would I most want to give people who are looking for training advice? I would say the best thing I could offer to you is know what you're trying to do. Mm. Don't go out there and just do something because you saw it. Right. Know why. Know yeah. what you're trying to do so you can adjust when you see what the creature offers you. Right. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think that's so important is not just the how, but the why, because it, it informs yeah. all your other decisions, doesn't it? Yes. Amen. I think so, too. Yeah. So if we both think it, of course, it's right. It's absolutely. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> this is the episode. <laughs> I mean, if y'all miss this, well, sorry. Good luck on second place. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I love it. That's yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly serious, too. You can tell that. <laughs> well, that was one of the things why I thought this would be such a fun conversation is, I mean, you're obviously incredible. You've done so well on so many different dogs and different t disciplines. And every time I've ever seen you in a picture, seen, heard you spoken about, there's always this massive smile on your face and you are doing <laughs> what I call running towards life, uh, like in yeah. every moment that I see you. And that's why I thought not only would this be such a great technical conversation in terms of the hows and whys of dog training and mm. agility, but just that joie de vie, I think, is such an important piece. I it's so often see people scowling at events, mm -hmm. and I just think we are so fortunate to be able to no 
do this with our dogs, have the resources. Yeah. And I always joke about if an asteroid were going to hit the earth and then we suddenly managed to get rid of it, how different would you feel about that run? It wouldn't, it would still matter, but you just have such a different perspective yes. on it, you know? Yes. And that's yes. what I love about watching you run is every moment. So let's go for it. Oh, thanks. Well, I mean, it, it's in a way it's really selfish because that's what I enjoy doing. Right. I enjoy playing that way. So in a way it's kind of selfish. I mean, all creatures do what, what is rewarding, right? Yeah. And for me, running and living like that is highly reinforcing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's an interesting observation about human behavior is mm -hmm. making sure that the patterns and the habits that we build for ourselves really are empowering, even if they you want to call them selfish, because it is in that sense reinforcing. You may as well build towards the really good ones that give you the rocket fuel. <laughs> well, yeah. And if you aren't, maybe, you know, go for a hike and mm -hmm. think about why. Yeah. What is it that's blocking you? Exactly. And really think about it and give it its fair shot and bring it up in the daylight and see what it is. Yeah. That's such an amazing comment because what you said is exactly right. The reason it keeps being a, a stick in the side is because it stays hidden. And I often mm -hmm. talk about with mindset, you can teach all the sports psychology things, but if you've got something that you're keeping hidden in the shadows, whether it's from shame or guilt or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, is going on, whatever it is blocking you, the problem is, is when it matters, that's going to come out and grab you. And, of course. you know, and to your point, just, being able to be honest with yourself is one of the yeah. most important things. Don't judge it, but mm. know it. Exactly. Know it and treat it with respect and see what you can do about it. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So with all that said, I think we've just cured pretty much the world's problems. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> <laughs> is, if there was one thing you were going to say just generally to the listeners, what would it be? Is there some particular message you'd really like to get out there? Yes. I would say life is short. Enjoy what you're doing. Honestly, if agility is not making you smile, you go do something that does. I think that's great. It's so true. Sometimes we just get stuck thinking that's all we are, or that's all we can do, or that's, mm -hmm. you know, again, that pattern. And yeah, some of the most freeing things I always say is if you can step away, you know, it doesn't own you. You've, yes, that's really important. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough. You have been absolutely incredible i've enjoyed this so much you are absolutely well, amazing thank you for coming I, I on the show it too and thank you for inviting me that was um that was very nice of you and it was fun getting to talk if you'd like to find out more about dudley's coaching make sure to check out her facebook profile i've got the link down in the show notes and make sure to stay in touch with the podcast because i've got some really exciting guests coming up in the future if you'd like to support the show, you can make sure to give it five stars on your podcast platform of preference, and you can go to kathykeats.com backslash support the show to find out more about the programs I offer and also to support the podcast so we can keep it ad-free. In the meantime, get out there, and like the theme song says, put the good stuff in. And I can say you'll be blown away by the change you see you seem